Thank you very much. Uh, you can hear me okay? Yes, I've got wired up for sound. That's good. Well, it's great to be here. It really is. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'll just sort that out. Let me just, um, there we go. So you can see that. There we are. Well, it is really great to be here. I, I've, um, I've even had a haircut, especially for the occasion. Somebody said, I've been round to Steve, uh, Stephen and Lini's, while he's had the hair clippers out, but no, I have, I have actually paid for this, Stephen, so it's not, it's not such a shock to the wife as Max's haircut was. <laughs> well, it's great to be here, um, sharing with you, and uh, I don't know if you was here last week when Christian just shared about the vision for 2017, it really, really impacted me, and the overflow series that he's been talking through. If you've not heard it, I would really ask you that you would um, go on onto the website. I can guarantee you it'll be amazing. It really is good teaching about living out of the overflow of what God has got for us. And I want to just really sort of like go on to that and, 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 and give you a few words of encouragement. <clears throat> I want to bring a little teaching this evening. Excuse me. <clears throat> Share a word from the Bible about what I believe will be some fantastic opportunities for everyone in 2017. But before I open up the Bible, I just want to share two stories. Uh, stories that are, I'm going to refer to, to two people as Bill and Ben. Now I'm referring to Bill and Ben just for my ease of reference. But I don't want you to sit back and think, oh, they are different people, you know, that, that they relate to somebody else. I want you to, if you can, put your names there. So whilst I'm referring to Bill and Ben, masculine names, the principles I'm going to be talking into are are, are non-gender specific. They relate to every age, every sex. So whilst I refer to Bill and Ben, I just want you to just imagine that you've got your name there instead. So when I'm saying Bill, you're saying Fred or Mary or John or whatever. Okay. And I just want to share these these few stories with you. And uh, because I believe that this... These, sharing these stories can just sometimes help you to understand what we're trying to do. And we're trying to equip you with tools so that you can then go on to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So, Bill and Ben. Um, now, I want you to try and put yourselves in their shoes or boots. Of course, Bill and Ben wear boots. Size 13 boots, actually. But they only take size 9. Of course, Bill and Ben like to slob a lot. Now, now some of you got that. because you know that Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men, was a, a programme from many years ago. And some of you sat there looking blank, thinking, what on earth is he talking about? I haven't got a clue. Well, I first watched Bill and Ben when it was black and white TV. That's how long ago it was. And it's quite interesting, isn't it, that, you know, when you stand on the platform and begin to share with people, we've got to be culturally relevant. And it's okay talking about stories and giving people sort of illustrations, but if they were from years ago, people don't understand. And I can almost guarantee that every leader that will stand on this platform and share will always hear from the Bible. Of course, the Bible, although it was written... 2,000 odd years ago, thousands of years ago, is still relevant today. It could still speak to everyone today. So I will be sharing from the Bible. 
I will be sharing from the Bible how to know God better, how to find freedom, how to discover your purpose, and how to make a difference. But before I do that, I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word this evening. Help me to share your love, your grace, your compassion. Give us all a sense of the purpose and destiny that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Bill and Ben, are you sitting comfortably? Then I shall begin. Bill was a young man, a very fit young man, and on his first day at work, he got a job installing telegraph poles. And the foreman came to him and said, right, Bill, all you have to do, it's very, very simple. All you have to do, you will see on this road, mark this, along this line, some crosses. And whenever you get to a cross, you dig a hole, put the telegraph pole in, then walk on to the next. You dig a hole, put the telegraph pole in, and walk on to the next. How simple instructions are they? You understand? Yes, I understand, Bill says. So at the end of the day, the foreman comes down and says, Bill, how have you got on? He says, oh, fantastic, I've really, really enjoyed it. I've done what you said, I've dug a hole and where, where the cross was and then walked onto the next one, installed the telegraph pole and walked onto the next one. And the foreman said, great, how many have you done? He says, I've done three. He says, three, three telegraph poles. Everybody else on the work gang has done at least 18 or 19. And Bill said, yeah, but look how much they've left sticking out of the ground. <laughs> you see, very simple instructions that you think, how can anybody get it wrong? And I've been a Christian now for over 30 years, and I've been involved in different churches. And I've seen young people and young Christians come to a faith, come to want to go on a journey with God to find out what it is about following Jesus. And I've seen them digging away at their faith, but not really been given correct guidance or instruction by the church. Sometimes we just, some churches I think just believe that, well, once you become a Christian, you, you read the Bible and, and you have to work it out yourself. But we in the church, we believe that we want to put some systems in place to help you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. See, I, I, you can't blame Bill. He perhaps did the hardest work of all that day. He perhaps had to work harder than everybody else on that gang. But it was worthless because he didn't understand. He didn't have the right guidance, the right instruction. How many people who start to follow Jesus don't get that right instruction and right guidance and they start digging away and it's great at first, the going's easy. But then they get down to the stones and the rubble and then the rock and it gets hard and hard. Without having that instruction, without having that guidance, some people just say, this is so hard. They get disillusioned. And then they just walk away from church, hurt, frustrated. They don't find a, a, a meaning to this life in Jesus Christ. They've been trying very hard, but have never been given the right guidance. So let's open up the Word of God. If, uh, if you've got your Bibles with, with you, turn to Luke 10, 27. <clears throat> the same story is also in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. So let me just set the scene. Here's Jesus has been preaching around, and the f- 
Pharisees and the Sadducees have come to Jesus and have started testing him now, finding out what this guy's like. And one of them says to him, you know, well, who should we pay our taxes to? Should we pay them to the Roman? And of course, Jesus answers, well, who's the head on the coin? If it's Caesar's, then pay unto Caesar what's due to Caesar. And the lawyer came and said this question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. And Jesus said this. What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Or what is your understanding of it? And this lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But wanted to justify himself to Jesus, he said, and who is my neighbor? Now, Jesus went on to explain the parable of the Good Samaritan. I haven't got time this evening to go through that. But if you've never read it, I really encourage you to go home and get your Bible out and just look at this verse and then follow through and read the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. But I want to concentrate on the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that seems quite simple instructions. It seems quite easy to do when you first read it. But when you come to put it into practice, what then? Well, I love the Lord, uh, my God, with all my heart, but do I love him with my money? Do I love him when I start to tithe and find things quite hard at times? Do I love the Lord God with all my soul, but do I trust him when the family is taken ill? I love God with all my mind except when my life gets on top of me and I get depressed and then I turn to drink or to drugs. Love my neighbor. I don't even like my neighbor. How can I possibly love him? And all these questions from one simple sentence all of a sudden starts to think, well, how can I do it in practice? And many people have their, their faith at the start, have struggled with these questions. And sadly, a lot of churches have not equipped them with the tools to help them work it out. At Arena Church, the leadership understand that problem. The leadership acknowledge that on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening, we, the leaders have about 30 to 40 minutes to actually give you some kind of instruction or some kind of challenge or try to equip you to help you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. But we understand as well that those 30, 30 minutes or 40 minutes is not enough to answer the questions that people have. That is why Arena Church has deliberately rolled out small groups. Because when you get into a small group, that is where you can ask those questions. That is where you can find out, how do I love my neighbor? How does it work practically? How do you do it? Show me how to do it. And together, as small groups, you begin to know God better. You begin to find freedom from all those things that have held you back over the years. You begin to discover your purpose, the reason, the real reason why you are here. So that then you are ready, equipped, and trained to make a difference in the world. Now, some people I know have been on growth track and I've had conversations with some people after they've done growth track, and it's been a great, great series. 
there's still some people misunderstand about finding their purpose. Because some people think, well, I've got to be a preacher or a worship leader, or I've got to go to plant a church in China or whatever. I've had many conversations with people over the years. I remember talking to a young lady um, many years ago when I was at a different church, and uh, she said, you know, I've never had time to discover my purpose because I've, I've raised five children. And I said, well, would you consider yourself a good parent? And she said, oh, yeah, well, all my children now are very respectful and thoughtful and going on with God. I said, well, that's your purpose. Why don't you get into a small group Get alongside somebody who's having trouble parenting. And just begin to show them how you did it. Just begin to share with them how you raised your children. Just begin to get alongside them and live their life and show your experiences compared to their experience and just show them how to do it. Likewise, you know, somebody may turn around and say, well, you know, I've got no real gifting. I can't play music. I, I'm not a, a great speaker. I, I don't know what to do. And I've often said to them, well, do you tithe? And they said, yeah. I said, have you always tithe? Oh, no, it was a struggle at first. It was a real struggle. We had financial difficulties at first. But as we've gone in our journey of faith, we've got over those difficulties. We're no longer in debt, and we do tithe now. I said, great. Like, get alongside somebody in a small group. Get alongside somebody who is struggling with debt. Get alongside somebody who don't understand. Just begin to share and just begin to teach them. Just begin to show them how you did it. And together, as a small group, you begin to know God. Find freedom from all the things that have held you back. Now, let me just talk a little bit about Ben. Now, Ben was a, an older gentleman. He wasn't as young as Bill. But Ben used to chop down trees. He used to chop down the trees that we used for telegraph poles that Ben used to install. Now, Ben was, a, uh, was the number one tree feller. And there was a lot of young people, young, young, young men on his work gang. Rippling muscles, six-pack. A bit like me. And, and ben, ben was always number one. He always cut down more trees than any of these young men. And one young man decided to see what Ben, what the secret was, why Ben, week in, week out, always chopped down more trees than the the rest of the team. So he said, I'm going to watch him. I'm going to copy what Ben does. So there they are that morning. The work gang are laid out, and they've got, uh, there in the Forestry Commission, they've got all their trees allocated them for the day. And they're all ready to start. And the foreman comes on site, blows his whistle, and Ben picks up his axe and starts to fell the tree. And the tree timbers... And as soon as that, those, almost everybody else's tree falls at the same time. And then ben, ben sits down on the tree stump, takes a file that he has on his belt, and just starts to sharpen his axe while he gets his breath back. By this time, the young men have raced onto the next tree and have started felling that tree. Ben gets up, goes to his second tree, by which time the young men have felled that tree and are onto the third tree. And this young man watching Ben thinking, how on earth is he, does he always win? How does it? It's so slow. But Ben cuts down the second tree, sits on the stump as you put down, gets his file, sharpens his axe, and then moves on to the third tree. By which time the young men are on their fourth or fifth. And this young man is really confused now. But all of a sudden, 
he notices that the day goes on, these young men are working or seem to be working harder and harder and harder to chop down their tree. And he suddenly realizes their axe is becoming blunter and blunter and blunter. So they're having to work harder and harder and harder. And of course, as the day goes by, Ben, with a sharpened axe, just keeps going on and catches up. And not only catches up these young men, but passes them. And that was the secret why Ben was always number one. And you say, well, what's that got to do with anything, Paul? Well, I really believe that this is an illustration that we need to keep our spiritual axe head sharp. Sometimes we just get blunt by doing stuff in church. Whatever you're doing, you know, hacking away at the roots of, of bitterness, of hacking away at the roots of worldliness, ungodliness, at the roots of addiction. If you are in any way a leader in a church, I would always say you've got to keep your spiritual axe head sharp. How do you do that? Do you read the Bible? Everybody should read the Bible, obviously. But I believe the secret is getting into fellowship in a small group. Because a, when you're in a small group, it says, iron sharpens iron. If we could turn to the next scripture, it says this. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The Message Bible, contemporary Message Bible, puts it this way. You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. So you keep yourself sharp and help others to keep sharp by joining a small group. The leadership's design in 2017 is to see growth, not just numerically, but in all areas of church life and in all areas of your life. We're not called to settle and be comfortable or stagnant, but to grow and flourish. And our church to grow larger, we understand we need to grow smaller at the same time. As our church grows larger, we need to grow smaller at the same time. You know, when we've got like 100 people or so, it's nice family atmosphere. It's a nice family feel to it. And people get to know one another and they can share with one another quite nicely. But as the church grows numerically, that gets harder and harder. So we need to go smaller into small groups. I, I, I was just shared this morning, I, I was amazed when I went to... Um, Arena Ilkeston, not this Sunday, but last Sunday. I walked through and I saw three or four people wearing the Here I Am to Help T-shirt. And I didn't know who they were. I didn't, have, I, didn't, I didn't have a clue who they were. And that really excited me. I thought, this is fantastic. The church is growing. The church is growing so people are <laughs> knowing God, finding freedom, discovering their purpose and serving on the, t- on the dream team. And I don't even know who they are. Fantastic. I can't wait till that happens in Mansfield. So we get to that point where in Mansfield we're seeing people actually on the worship stage or doing the teas and coffees. I don't know who they are yet. Fantastic. So we need to keep that family feel can only be maintained by getting into small groups. Andy Stanley, who leads one of America's most successful churches, says it like this. Life changes happens in circles, not rows. Small groups 
small numbers of people meeting together to do life. So that when they all come together for Sunday service, life changes are already happening. And people come together to the Sunday service to, set, to worship God and say thank you for what has been accomplished during the week. Craig Grishel, pastor of Life Church, calls his small group leaders the heroes of our mission. Why? Because these groups are how God's love and power become evident in our churches, to our neighbours, to our co-workers, to families and friends. Without healthy small groups, our churches become large, yet divided and powerless. Instead of evidencing Christ, they might leave a bad religious taste in your mouth. Two great churches, very, very large churches, but they've learned that to grow big, you need to grow small. The first church grew like mad. Jesus started with 12 disciples. And if you look at the book of Acts, uh, in the first chapter, uh, the numbers of believers is estimated to be about 120. And then by the second chapter of Acts, over 3,000. And why was that growth? Because of small groups. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were meeting. Not the church, the house. Philemon, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Our beloved friend and fellow laborer to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church in your house. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So at the centre of these small groups, all the time growing and multiplying, the scriptures reveal six ways the early believers experienced growth. And now he's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. And I've, I wish Phil was here. So I, you know, Phil likes to do points, don't he? You know, like point one. I've, I've done six points with the word growth down, and all, rem- all relates, oh, I wish he was here. He'd be so impressed. So the first one is G, generous living. You cannot be generous just to yourself, or that becomes selfishness. And being generous uh, means being generous to other people. You know, you can't just go out and buy a box of chocolate. I'm going to be generous today. I'm going to buy a box of chocolates for myself. That's not being generous, is it? And sometimes, you know, we, we misunderstand what the word generous is all about because we can sort of like, if I had a, a bag of sweets and there was 12 sweets in it, and I said, Stephen, would you pass these round to everybody? Unless we prayed over them first, and the first 12 people would be thankful, oh, that's great. The rest of you would be thinking, oh, well, where's my sweet? But if you're in a small group, then that generosity can achieve so much more. So one of the attributes was generosity. Regular fellowship. There's nothing more I enjoy than getting together with friends. But when those friends love Jesus, there is a heart link. Something extraordinary happens. Life-changing stuff happens when you meet together. Regular fellowship. You begin to trust one another. Oneness in worship, when two or more gather together, Jesus in our midst. Do I need to say anything more about worship? Other than, it's not just all about singing songs. Surely we know that now. It's all about heart attitude towards God and towards each other. When we realize what Jesus Christ 
suffered for us the shame and humility of a false trial, being sentenced to death, being whipped, beaten, and then nailed to the cross, not for what he had done, but for what we had done. How can we fail to, to not to worship him? And when we worship him together, something happens. W, wise teaching. We should never underestimate the power of the Bible. But how we interpret the Bible is so important. I thank God we've got strong leadership and good, good biblical-based leadership in Arena Church who are, are able and willing to discuss the yes-but-how questions. I know I used to belong to a church many years ago, and whenever you went to uh, leadership and said, uh, I'm really struggling with this, pray about it. And then they'd walk off. And whilst I understand there is a, a thing about prayer, they never actually gave you any instruction or help or guidance how to get through that particular problem. At Arena Church, we've, we've put these blocks in place to help people. And when you're in a small group, you can turn around to somebody and say, hey guys, how do I deal with pornography? How do, how, how do I cope with this? With the stuff that's on the, on the television these days. How do, I, how do I cope with all this, this stuff that's going on in my life? When you're a small group and you trust people, wise teaching. Tenacious prayer, the power of prayer. That's, again, the, why the leadership started prayer meetings on a Tuesday. We understand the importance of tenacious prayer, of when we come together and stand together and begin to pray out loud and say, God, we want to do what you want to do in Mansfield. We had uh, eight of us on uh, last Tuesday at Mansfield. We had a right great time of prayer. Praying for one another, praying for this church, praying for the leadership, praying for our community. When you come together, it's electrifying. Tenacious prayer. And finally, the Holy Spirit power. Without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit guidance and direction, without the Holy Spirit prompting, our spiritual edge becomes blunt. But with the Holy Spirit power, it begins to sharpen. And if you're, you know, <clears throat> unsure about praying in tongues and what that's all about, get into a small group. That's where you can practice and feel safe. So in the early church, growth happened in and through small groups. That's a historical fact. It works. Now, I've not yet described what small groups in the arena church should look like when they should meet what they should do because of the leadership team, we really do not want to set the idea of small groups in a concrete box. We want small groups to be reflective of our church. All shapes and sizes, meeting at all different times, doing all kinds of different things. We want to enable people who have a passion for something to run with their passion and gather like-minded people together in a small group. Now, if your passion is playing badminton, say, for an example. You get together every week with some guys and some girls and, you know, to play badminton, then just be intentional about thinking, how can I turn this into a small group? Does that mean that you carry a Bible under one hand, your badminton in the racket in the other hand, and uh, the Bible says that, uh, uh, you know, should always... No, we're not saying that. Obviously, we're not saying that. What we're saying is be intentional about it. Me and Liz and Gail and Robert started a walking group, footsteps walking group at Mansfield. We get together to pray before everybody comes and 
We just say, Lord, those who are people who are going to come on this walk, we just pray that we'll be able to rub shoulders with them. Let something of our lives just come on to these people as we're walking. And then we're looking for opportunities to just begin to share our faith. Do we push it down people's throats? No, because you'll put them off. If you go up to somebody and say, oh, are you enjoying this walk? Have you been washing the blood of the lamb? Come on, you know. We're talking about people just getting alongside each other. And, and people begin to open up and say, I've had a real tough week at work. Have you? Why? What's happened? And all of a sudden, you just become an ear for people. You stand off and you can just help them and give them advice. That's what it means about being intentional about joining small groups. So if you like walking or doing jigsaws, making train sets, or meeting at McDonald's every Saturday morning, whatever your passion is, just do it. All we'd ask you to, to do is to attend growth track and small group leaders training. And that small group leaders training takes place the Sunday after the growth track, just a few hours. And you, and you have a meal, of course. And then you report, you, sorry, you register your group at the resources hub so that we know who's involved. And as a small group leader, you will be expected to have the heart of Arena Church, obviously. And... Um, you understand the DNA, what makes Arena Church Arena. And have at the heart of that small group, E-S-P-N-O. 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 E is encouragement. S is a spiritual. P is for prayer. N is for next step. Whoa. That's right, Rich. You're going to be singing that all night now, aren't you? ESP. Anyway, <clears throat> we do take small group leadership very seriously. Obviously, you would expect us to do that because the small group leader has influence over their small group. They are the, the shepherd, the, the leader of that small flock. So obviously, we have high standards for small group leaders. We make no apologies for that. But we do not expect you to be perfect. We do not expect you to have a degree in Bible theology or have to go to Mattisee or anything like that. We'd expect you to have some knowledge of the Bible, but what's really we would expect is that you have relationships at your heart, that you want to have relationships with people, to be able to facilitate discussion and never be afraid to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out because I know somebody who will. So, small groups in Ilkeston. We already have five small groups in Ilkeston, sorry, in Ilkeston. Mansfield. We already have five small groups in Mansfield. But we are praying in 2017 that we'll see at least 12 small groups. We have faith to believe that we're going to see 12 small groups. You look around here and say, well, I'm going to get 12 small groups. Well, we believe in faith. Before I go any further, I'd just like to invite um, two people up onto the stage. I'm going to invite uh, Kaylee first, and then I'll invite, sorry, Keely first, and then I'm going to invite Zelia. So, Keely, will you just come up and uh, can you just pass me the uh, microphone? Yeah. Come on, Keely. Jump up here. I, I, I've just dropped this on her before the service, so you'll have to... Uh, I know she's a little bit nervous, but she's doing very well. So, Keely, uh, uh, can you just tell me, can you explain, explain to me about your journey to Arena Church and into small groups? Well, basically, as we said today, he says, well, just tell me, you've been here a couple of months. Actually, it's been a year this wow. weekend. So, Five, since I found Arena Church, yeah. and I came in to introduce some friends yeah. to church. And I came in and I met Sue and I said, oh, I've got my church. I'm just helping these. They're settling. And I came in and I sat over there and uh, as I walked out, I thought, 
something about this church. Yeah. I'd got a tingle, and I, thought, I felt I were at home. So I come back next week, and then next week, and I just thought, this is where I need to be. Yeah. I'm home. I've done all this. I've got a purpose. I'd find freedom. I was making a difference, but me as a person, I didn't know where I needed to be with God. Mm. So I got invited to a small group. And unfortunately, I ate a little bit of a dip because I got really ill. Nobody knew that what was wrong with me, I was having tests and things like that. But the small group really, really supported me. I'm quite a private person and a small group on there, but I've not got much confidence, although I might see my have. <laughs> um, and they just helped me through every little bit. Like, that, there were always a text message in the morning or if I... Somebody always remembered that I'd got an hospital appointment. I was coming out of theatre, or and it's been absolutely amazing. But to know that God's with me every step of the way, um, so that's my small group Brilliant. little journey, um, and I love it. Brilliant. And it's it like it breaks that week up, yeah. and like you say, if you're having a bad week yeah. and you're not quite sure, and you you've got family, mm. but they're too close to understand and support you and show you. So small group really helped me through that so would you say the small group has encouraged your personal walk with God definitely yeah. definitely like I say I always felt that there was something missing mm. I knew I wanted to be a Christian I knew um, what my journey was looking like yeah. but I, there was something there was an owl but yeah. I didn't know where I needed to be or where I needed that guidance yeah. that well I'm a praying right I'm a, I'm a being a good Christian and <laughs> this is going to sound a bizarre thing. I've never been baptised because I always thought I was doing something wrong. I didn't have the confidence to be baptised and be, but I'm going to do it. That's <laughs> your next step then. Thank you, Keely. Thank you, Keely. Bless you. Uh, I just in, invite Zelia. Zelia is one of our small group uh, leaders. Come on, Zelia. Give her a round of applause. Just explain, Zelia, about your journey into Arena Church and into small group. We've been at Arena for three years now, and we'd been part of small groups in our previous church, a church that we'd attended for 20 years. Um, but we came for a few weeks, and you and Liz invited us to small group, and it's, it was just been brilliant from the outset because we felt welcomed. Um, we really got that uh, Arena um, experience and we're able to form relationships um, get to know people outside the Sunday meetings and uh, socialise with people sort of outside church as well so things like bowling, eating out um, all things that facilitated those relationships um, and then as time went on uh, along with the growth that you sort of, you know you, you get through being as part of a small group that's where these elements started coming and making a difference, getting to know about dream teams, where to serve, um, where we were best placed within Arena. And we were asked to consider becoming small group yeah. leaders. Um, and we've been running small group for probably two years-ish yeah. now. And uh, we meet, we've met in church here and in our home as well. Brilliant. What excites you about small group? Um, well, not pinching your big word, but growth, yeah. I think. Uh, growth in uh, relationships, uh, getting to know people, 
meeting, as I say, outside that Sunday Sunday meeting. Um, it is doing life together. Uh, you know, we've had celebrations, we've celebrated new babies, special birthdays, anniversaries. Also, um, sort of the hard times. People will know that Philip's dad passed away between Christmas and New Year. And as like Keely said, we were just held by our church family with texts, emails, messages, cards. Um, so it is, it is about sort of sharing, but it's also about growth in terms of outreach. Small groups are great places yeah. to invite people to, yeah. um, and that's what we that's what we want for 2017. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. If you um, if anybody sat out there thinking, Ooh, I don't know whether I ought to be a small group leader, I don't know if I can do it or whatever, what would, what advice would you say? Be brave. Yeah. <laughs> be brave and go for it, really. Yeah. Um, Philip and I aren't Bible teachers. We've got great Bible teachers. We don't need to be. Uh, but what we have is a compassion for the people, a uh, passion for his word, a passion for encouragement, um, and to see people grow. So, um, yeah, you don't need to have a big house. You don't, you know, you can meet at different places. Yeah. Um, and be focused on interest. So if you're into sports, whether that be armchair watching or um, all sorts of things, you can base a small group around your interests as well. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Lily. Give them a round of applause. So I say we've we've got this vision to to see 12, at least 12. I think we could go over that, but at least 12 small groups established in Mansfield in 2020. 17, meeting at various times, different days, different doing different things, all carrying the ESBNO, of course. Small groups that know God, find freedom, find their purpose, and make a difference. Can I just ask the worship team to uh, just come back on stage, please? I just have a sense this evening that God wants to do some work this evening in, in, in our lives. Hopefully you've heard and understood the story about Bill and Ben. Hopefully it has made you think about how effective and efficiently you are working and whereabouts you are on that journey. How sharp is your spiritual axe? Sometimes as Christians we just forget how blunt we've become until somebody asks us the question. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will just come and settle in our hearts and minds. I just ask people just to bow their heads. And just in this quiet time, just begin to reflect. And instead of thinking about Bill and Ben, just put your names there. 